Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So, we're going to start today's sermon with a little song, which, of course, you know is going to have some congregational participation. Are you ready for this? All right. So, I found a karaoke version of Under the Boardwalk, but, of course, today we're going to sing what? Yeah, you got it. Under the sukkah. Okay, so the karaoke version has the backup singers, you know, and they go under the boardwalk right there. So I need you all to drown that out with your voices, and you're going to be singing what? Under the sukkah. Right. Okay, you think you can do that? Are you ready? All right. Robert, are you ready? Okay, here we're going to try it. Here we go. Hit it. Can you start it over? So make sure the sound is all the way up at the beginning. Here we go. You guys ready? When the sun goes down on the 15th of and the etrog smells sweet and the lula begins to sway down by the shoe yeah in the tent with my lord under his sovereign rule here you go under the suga we can see the stars under the sukkah. We'll be waving at cars under the sukkah. God's presence above under the sukkah. Oh, can't you feel the love under the sukkah? That was good. Uh, we should take this on the road, perhaps. All right. <clears throat> So, of course, we are in the midst of the festival of Sukkot, the great feast of tents. And uh, the origin of this festival actually comes from Leviticus 23. So we're going to take a look at that, uh, verses 39 to 43. On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. That's the lulav and the etrog we were singing about. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. 
It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths, or in Hebrew, Sukkot. Yes, Sukkah is the singular, Sukkot plural. You shall dwell in Sukkot for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so here the text says that we dwelt in booths in the desert, right? Like, just like the one outside our shul. So is that true? Or did we dwell in tents? Other parts of Scripture mention the tents that we dwelled in when we were in the desert. So which is it? Do we dwell in the booths or do we dwell in the tents? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, you knew it. You, knew, you know me too well. The times when we rested more permanently at Kadesh, for example, probably we dwelt in something like a booth that's a little bit more permanent. But uh, the times when we were wandering around more, perhaps we dwelt in tents. The rabbis reading this historically have done a midrashic move here, which also makes sense to me as we interpret this scripture. So we did dwell in a sukkah, a booth, the entire time that we were in the desert. And what was that sukkah? That sukkah, the rabbis think, was the cloud. Ooh. When I was introducing the idea of Sukkot at our celebration on Sunday uh, downstairs uh, here uh, at the synagogue, I started by explaining uh, the themes of Sukkot. And I was uh, uh, chatting with uh, the, the folks that were there. And uh, I, I explained that one of the themes of Sukkot is that God dwells among us by his presence. And I asked the congregation uh, for examples of God's dwelling with us in Scripture. And I was thinking of uh, the garden, right? The tabernacle slash temple is the time when God dwelt among us. The, the birth of Yeshua and, of course, his ministry. And the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, right? These are examples of Scripture of God dwelling with us. But someone shouted out an example I hadn't thought of. They said, the cloud and the pillar of fire in the desert. And I remember thinking, you know, that's not one that I thought of, but that's a good one. So whoever said that, I don't remember who it was, but kol hakavod, good job. So connecting the idea of the cloud to the sukkah, this is something that the rabbis did, and the presence of God. Uh, And where would they get that? Where would they get this idea? Well, there are hints of it in Scripture. Um, The prophet Isaiah connects this imagery to the restoration of Israel in Isaiah chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. So let's take a look. When Adonai washes away the filth of the women of Sion and cleanses Jerusalem from the blood shed in it with a blast of searing judgment, Adonai will create over the whole site of Mount Sion and over those who assemble there a what? Smoking cloud by day and a shining flaming fire by night. What does that remind us of? When we were in the desert and when God guided us by his presence. 
for the glory will be every, over everything like a chuppah, a chuppah, right? That's the, the, the wedding canopy, which is very similar to a sukkah. A sukkah will give shade by day from the heat. It will also provide refuge and cover from storm and rain. Mm, interesting. So both Moses in Leviticus and Isaiah in this text are pointing us to the purpose of the sukkah. And what is that purpose? Protection in the desert by God's restorative presence. Let me say that again. Protection in the desert by God's restorative presence. Hashem brought us out of slavery in Egypt and then into the desert. But what is there in the desert? Is there snack bar? A nice sprinkler under a shady tree? Perhaps a cafe serving artisanal water? Nope. None of that. So Hashem himself, by his presence, had to provide all of those things. Remember, he provided food, which was manna. Yes, the water from the rock. He provided shade and direction, which was the cloud, a.k.a. the sukkah, right, his presence. He provided everything for us in the desert. A few years ago, my wife and I were blessed by my parents to be able to go with them to Ireland. We got to drive on the left side of the road. We got to hold a baby lamb We got to see rolling hills dotted with sheep and hear music on every corner and look at the beautiful ancient copies of the Gospels, the accounts of the life of Yeshua. It was very, very cool. And I have never been in a desert like our ancestors experienced, but the closest I'd say that I ever came to this kind of thing is when Sonia and my parents and I, we visited an island called Blasket Island, off the coast of Ireland, the Dingle Peninsula to be specific. Blasket Island is a 40-minute boat ride from the mainland of Ireland today. Uh, That's if you have a motor, so back then it would have taken longer. And it, it had an almost completely isolated community of fishermen and shepherds and farmers from about 1710 until 1953, when the island was evacuated and everyone moved back to the mainland of Ireland. Uh, They preserved a dialect of Gaelic, uh, that's the Irish language there, much longer than the mainland. So uh, scholars came to study uh, to study this language and to learn about the people on this island. It was very special. And uh, the main export industry of the island after this became, interestingly enough, autobiographies. So a lot of people wrote their stories in this language, and then it was translated into English, and, uh, and that was very cool. They had one schoolhouse on the island, which also served as a church, And today, you can tour the island and see the abandoned houses and structures and imagine what life would have been like way back then. So my family and I were able to actually visit the island. So here are some pictures from that experience. So do we have that up here? 
Okay, so you start off, you walk down this stony walkway, which is uh, slightly wet, um, and then you see there's two boats in the picture, right? And you have to get on the small boat to get on the big boat, right? And then you go for 40 minutes, and then you do the reverse of that. So you, then you go from the big boat back to the small boat, right? Picture my parents doing this. Actually, you don't have to picture it, because I'm going to show you. All right? So let's keep going. So here's my mom getting on, uh, I think, the, the big boat from the small boat. Okay? And then, uh, then my dad came on, so we're all on there. Very good. And uh, this is all of us there, smiling, happy faces. Okay? And then we get to the island, right? And uh, you have to go up this, uh, this steep kind of incline here. And you can see how beautiful it is, but it's also pretty isolated, right? Okay? And uh, here's uh, us. Uh, we're, on a, we're on a little tour. You can see some of my family members there. All right? And this is an example of a house um, that, that used to be there. And here's some uh, my family again. We're on the tour. Very happy. Right? And uh, this is uh, the beach of the island. And you can see there's another, that's not the mainland in the background. That's another, another little small island. So you can see there's my mom and uh, the beach there again and the houses, uh, abandoned houses. Okay, now, <clears throat> uh, go back one because I, uh, uh, I want that to be a surprise. Okay, forget you saw that. <clears throat> so you really get a sense of how it felt to be on the island when you're there, the isolation and that's much like the desert situation for the Israelites. Whatever you had with you when you left mainland, that's what you were going to have for the day. After a while, I started to get a little bit anxious and a little bit hungry. And uh, when I get anxious and hungry, I get, yes, hangry. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, did I have enough water? Did we have enough to eat? But uh, the, one, the one thing I did have was my wife, and you saw those pictures there, and Sonia was able to speak kindly to me and calmly to me, and she reassured me, and that was very comforting, and I was like, okay, we're going to be okay. Um, and then I found out there was actually a hostel on the island with a small cafe. What? We were saved. Okay, so we walked up the hill to the cafe, and, uh, which had a sign there. I don't know if you can see uh, the sign. It says, uh, Great Island, Great Blasket Island Cafe. And there's another sign that you can't see. It says, Best Cup of Coffee on the Island. Yeah, it's like me saying I'm my parents' favorite child, you know. I'm an only child, so it's okay. All right. Uh, so you can see we were refreshed and encouraged here. Next. And this is me in a very artsy shot with uh, some tea and some biscuits, and uh, it, was, it was great. It was like an oasis in the, in the desert. Praise the Lord. So this cafe and uh, my wife represented uh, comfort and provision to me in my desert experience. So too, the sukkah reminds us that God covers us like a happy cloud with his provision and his presence in this desert experience we know as life. He provides water 
and food and shelter by his presence. He descends, that is, he tabernacles, he sukas. Can I, can I verb it? Is that okay? He sukas with us by his presence. His ruach, his spirit, is our sukkah. It is our shelter. Amen? The, the text from the book of Revelation that uh, Logan read earlier is uh, chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, is actually this week's New Covenant portion because it alludes to Sukkot, but of course, since it's in Revelation, it's Sukkot in the world to come. So let's take a look at this text. After this, I looked, this is uh, John speaking, and there before me was a huge crowd, too large for anyone to count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. They were standing in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb, dressed in white robes and holding, why are they holding palm branches? Sukkot, right, in their hands, and they shouted, victory to our God, let's say this together, victory to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Yeah, we're participating in some heavenly worship. That's pretty cool. Amen. One of the elders asked me, these people dressed in white robes, who are they and where are they from? Sir, I answered, you know. Then he told me, these are the people who have come out of the great persecution. They have washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the Lamb. That is why they are before God's throne. Day and night they serve him in his temple, and the one who sits on the throne will put his Shekinah. What is the Shekinah? That is God's presence. He will put that upon them. They will never be again be hungry. They will never again be thirsty. The sun will not beat down on them, nor will any burning heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will shepherd them, will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. So my question is, where are you hungry and thirsty and the sun beats down on you? Where is that? The desert, right. And when do you carry palm branches, as it says in the text? During Sukkot, right. In verse 15, the complete Jewish Bible translate it, translates it, the one who sits on the throne will put his Shekinah upon them, that is, his abiding presence and glory. Another translation, the ESV says, he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. When are we aware that God shelters us with his presence and provides for us in the desert? Sukkot, you got it. John, the author of Revelation, uses here a Greek word uh, that refers to, guess what? A sukkah. Yeah. In other words, in the world to come, God will completely sukkah us, protect, provide for, and cover us by his abiding presence. John also wrote the Gospel of John, where he used the same root word in the Greek for a sukkah to describe the birth of Yeshua. This is John 1, verse 1, and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the Word was God. The Word became a human being and lived with us, dwelt among us, sukkahed among us, and we saw his Shekhinah. There's that word again. The Shekhinah, or presence, of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Yeshua inaugurates this idea of God abiding with us, sukkahing with us, by his Shekhinah, his presence. The presence of God is also made known in Scripture by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. The Ruach is the personal, life-giving presence of God, and it is an extension of God's purpose throughout Scripture and God's power as well. Remember, the purpose of God sukkahing with us is to bring His presence to us, to dwell among us, to tabernacle with us. The Ruach, or Spirit, dwells inside all disciples of Yeshua. When Peter, or Kepha, is gospeling in Acts 2, verse, verse 38, he says this, Kepha answered them, Turn from sin, return to God, and each of you be immersed on the authority of Yeshua the Messiah into forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh. That's the Holy Spirit. Rabbi Stuart Dowerman summarized this verse in kind of a modern way for us last week uh, during the seminar downstairs, and he even gave us movements. So I'm wondering if you guys remember this. Do you remember the movements? What is it? He said... Embrace change, link up, and be filled, right? Kind of a modern translation of this text. Embrace change, that means we turn from our sins. Link up, that means we link up to Yeshua and to the Yeshua community through immersion. And then be filled with the Spirit, that is the Shekhinah, the presence, or the Ruach. In other words, the life-giving presence of God is a promise for all followers of Yeshua, but we can also be immersed in it, right? We can be filled with the Ruach, but we can also, it can also come upon us, right? Just as we can be immersed in water. And this is being filled with it, but also it means being uh, for the Ruach to come upon you. to be um, So there's upon Remember Rabbi Stewart talked about that? The spirit prior, the spirit within, the spirit upon, right? And then there was another one that I can't remember right now, but I'll get back to you on that. Um, so this is being uh, filled with the Ruach and being immersed in the Ruach as well. So in other words, instead of the cloud in the desert being the sukkah, the cloud is within you and you are filled up. Acts 19 verses 1 through 6 gives us a sense of what this immersion is and what I'm talking about. While Apollos was in Corinth, Shaul, a.k.a. the Apostle Paul, completed his travels through the inland country and arrived at Ephesus, where he found a few Talmudim. Those are disciples. He asked them, did you receive the Ruach HaKodesh when you came to trust? No, they said to him. We have never even heard that there is such a thing as the Ruach HaKodesh. In that case, 
into what were you immersed? That's baptized. The immersion of Yohanan, that is a water baptism, they answered. Shaul said, Yohanan practice an immersion in connection with turning from sin to God. That's embracing change. But he told the people to put their trust in the one who would come after him. That is, in Yeshua. On hearing this, they were immersed into the name of the Lord Yeshua. And when Shaul placed his hands on them, the Ruach HaKodesh came upon them so that they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay? So this, this might sound a little strange to some of us who aren't familiar with these texts. But the basic idea is, uh, is the same as what God is doing throughout Scripture. We have seen that the Ruach is just the presence of God, just like the sukkah over us. It brings a fuller measure of God's power and love and protection and provision. God's presence is good. Can I get an amen on that one? Yes. So those who want a fuller measure of his goodness, this is a good thing. This is not something to be scared of. God's presence is good. Often those who are immersed in the Ruach, as it, as it described in the text we read, they experience a, a kind of a new prayer language, referred to in the text as speaking in tongues. Many experience a, a greater measure of healing or restoration. Many people experience uh, gifts of encouragement, where God empowers you to speak the right word into someone else's heart. That is exactly what they need to hear because the Lord is speaking uh, to them through you. Often there is a sense of the goodness of God coming upon you like the ultimate sukkah of protection and love. If you have a sense that you are in the desert and you are hungry and thirsty for the presence of God, I want to invite you at this time. God's presence protected us, provided for us, and sheltered us like a sukkah. And now it is available in fuller measure for all those who want it, just like we read in Acts 19. We're going to take some time after the Kiddush for those who want to respond to this message. If you like, you're welcome to chat and fellowship downstairs after the Kiddush. If you want to go ahead, that's, that's perfectly fine. But if you um, were uh, moved by what I was saying and you want to embrace change or link up or be filled with the Ruach, I want to invite you to stick around up here in the sanctuary and uh, we'll have pairs of leaders that will pray for you. Does that make sense? All right. Amen. Well, let's pray. Avinu, our Father, we thank you for your provision, your protection, you sukkahing with us, um, providing for us, and uh, taking care of us, Lord. And uh, I just pray that um, all those who you have called to walk in fuller measure of your presence would, um, would come forward in boldness um, after the Kiddush and would receive your good presence, O God, upon them that they would be empowered to, um, to walk in the fullness of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, O oh God. 
and in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.